Jeremiah does some of these too in, in a certain way. You know, like take a loincloth and go up to the Euphrates and bury it in the bank of a river. And then he goes back in three years and goes running. And, you know, and God's making a big point about these <coughs> apparently bizarre actions. This is the only one of these kind of prophetic pantomimes that I, I think that Isaiah made, or at least it's recorded, this is, uh, maybe I could be corrected here, but I think this is the only one who, the uh, only time he did. So, I mean, Isaiah's walking around for three years without his clothes on. Why? It's a prophetic sign against Egypt and Cush that just as Isaiah's walking around that way, so Egypt and Cush are going to be taken into captivity naked. That's it. That's the prophecy. And sure enough, it comes to pass. And verse 4, uh, I'll be real okay to talk about that. Verses 5 and 6, and the point, verses 5 and 6, then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush, their hope, and Egypt, their boast. He's talking about the Jews. <clears throat> I suspect both Israel and Judah both, you know, they're always trying to make political, well, not always, some of the kings of, of Judah are trying to make political alliances with Egypt or with Assyria or with some other power to protect them from attack by another power. And Isaiah is just, he's just always against this. He says, no, I mean, you should trust in God. Don't trust in Egypt because guess what? Egypt is going down. And so, that day when all this comes to pass, uh, then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush their hope and of Egypt their boast. And the inhabitants of this coastland, let's say in that day, and that would be up in Israel and so forth, and the Philistine seas. Behold, this is what happened to those in whom we hoped and to whom we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria. And we, how shall we escape? So Isaiah really repeats this message over and over. Don't try to use secular powers to deliver you from disaster to come because these secular powers are going down too. So then is it, you know, he prophesies that these inhabitants will say, well, look what happened to the powers in whom we trusted. I mean, they've been flattened too. So, so Isaiah's prophecy for Israel and for Judah too is don't make alliances or hope in these foreign powers. You need to hope in Yahweh. He is the one who can deliver you. Uh, okay, I think that's all I have on chapter 20, but I'm open to comments. Yeah. Question, uh, just a question more than, uh, this prophecy, I was thinking about uh, just a phrase out of the verse in Revelation chapter 3, that thou mayest be clothed with the shame of thy nakedness did not appear, you know, that white robe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, somehow, that just came to mind while you were reading well, about okay. that. But our hope would be in Christ to lose that knowledge of the world. Yeah, well, indeed. Right. Who else? This, just a kind of a practical question. This was a sign against Ethiopia. Isaiah is not living anywhere near Ethiopia. So how would they have seen this sign? Remember, we said last time that the, Egypt controlled its own destiny for a long time, but sometimes they were conquered by foreign powers. Sure. And at, at one time, I didn't know this, they were actually conquered by Ethiopia. 
and they had an Ethiopian king sitting on the throne of Egypt. I mean, I, I don't know how, I mean, it's all mixed up there. Yeah, Egypt that's what it sounds Ethiopia. like. It yeah. sounds like they're, it sounds like the, the borders between the nations are getting a little fuzzy is what it sounds well, like. Well, they were always fuzzy, but I mean, these, <coughs> well, even today, I mean, if you go south from Egypt, you get, I think, Sudan first, and if you keep going south, you get into Ethiopia, so it's fair distant south there. It seems like it's a sign against Ethiopia and Egypt, but the message is to uh, Israel and Judah. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So this offense of walking around naked, no matter how naked he was, was a mirror. I'm a mirror of Ethiopia and Egypt. That's right. Walking around naked, uh, they're going to be put to shame. So why put your trust in them? So, I mean, he's, I mean, this is prophecy here. I mean, so Isaiah is looking 
out into the future. I mean, can't give you a number. This is a couple hundred years here, or some, some such, 150, couple hundred years maybe, out in the future. And Isaiah said, well, he's a prophet, so that's what he's doing. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> the Medes and the Persians are going to come down, says, says Isaiah, in verse 2. And in <clears throat> verses 3 and 4, we have, I think, a prophetic identification with the suffering of humanity. Now, Babylon took Judah into captivity, right? I mean, they weren't nice guys. But now, the prophet sees the destruction of Babylon, and he's moved about it. Um, so, as Babylon is overthrown, we have the death of families, we have the death of small children, and so forth. And Isaiah sees this, and he's sorry about it. Uh, I mean, he's identifying with these people. Uh, do I identify with all the death and destruction that's going on in the world, particularly in the Ukraine? Uh, you no. Know. Why? Well, I'm not a prophet for one thing. You know, uh, I don't have the compassion that Christ has for another thing. So, here we are. Maybe that was one of the examples. It was called the weeping. A what? The weeping. Yeah. Yeah. It was weeping. It's suffering, man. It's suffering humanity here. And the prophet's torn out of that. Everybody's with me? Okay. Um, well, we read verses 3 and 4. It seems that he is prophesying out for that event of the destruction in Babylon. Look at verse 5, man. Um, well, uh, well let, let me read what I have in 3 and 4. So, prophetic identification with the suffering humanity, in this case, Babylon, which was no friend of Israel. Nevertheless, as Babylon is overthrown, we have the death of families, little children, and so on, on a large scale, probably. Isaiah sees this. Uh, Amos has some of the same uh, characteristics. Who had Amos 5, 18 through 20? Greg, please. Yeah. Book of Amos. Okay. Uh, Amos 5, 18 through uh, 20. Yes. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Uh -huh. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Even very dark and no brightness in it. Wow. So I guess Amos is saying that we read it. Uh, well, some people. <laughs> These are prophets. Okay. Uh, verse uh, 5 then. Uh, look at verse 5 now. If, if Isaiah is prophesying out the future about the Babylonian captivity and the fall of Babylon, eventually, verse 5, he says, they prepare the table, they spread the rug, they eat, they drink. Arise, O princes, oil the shield. What does that sound like to you, that, that verse there in Scripture? Get ready to fight? Uh, yes, but, uh, yes, but uh, what historical event? Right, right, yeah. Are you the rest of the No. Well, 
set a table. I, 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 I don't need you, Chris. Watchtower and anoint the shield. Yeah. Is that oil of the shield? Yes. Princes with Captain the Princess, yes. Princess yeah. I'm just thinking in the context the fall of Babylon maybe even the fall of Jerusalem, but but the fall of Babylon. I mean this is the night before the battle. Okay, so tell me. So what happened then? In regards to just in, in Babylon, what was going on at that time? I don't know. It lasts the passion as Interpretation. 
Okay, keep reading. <laughs> Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and the astrologers who have brought in before me they should read that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you, and you have, uh, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed in, with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor, and because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand owns all your ways you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hands were, hand was sent from him, and this writing was written. This is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, aparsin. This is the interpretation of each word. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck made a pro pro proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And this is part one. <laughs> that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, there you go. being about 62 years old. There you go. Mm -hmm. So that's the, last, that's the last night of Babylon, as it were. <laughs> they were feasting and drinking and so forth. And then in this verse here, uh, in verse 5 in Isaiah, he's the last verse, the last line, he says, Arise, O princess, oil the shield, which uh, these leather shields, I mean, they would oil, put oil on that, so sword blood would tend to glance off. So another, well, what he's saying is, Arise, prepare the battle, but it's way too late. It's all, it's all over. It's all over. Okay. So, okay. so that's prophecy right there in uh, verse 5.
Uh, okay, let me read another comment by a commentator that I have. This is Oswald. He says, this verse accords very well with the report of Belshazzar's fall in Daniel 5. At the moment when the king and his nobles are feasting and unconcerned, <laughs> the enemy troops are surrounding the city. Suddenly, in the midst of the feast, the call to arms is sounded, but it is already too late. This is always the story of judgment. One of sin's functions is to deaden moral sensitivities until the possibility of retribution becomes unthinkable. There's no hope. So it was at Sodom, uh, and so it will be on the last day, uh, the last day. So someone has a Genesis uh, 1914, Jim, and uh, Connor, if you could look at Mark chapter 13, verses 35 and 36, uh, as it was in the beginning, it is now and ever shall be. The world will die in, amen. Okay. Uh, Jim, 1914. Uh, 1914. Yes. yes. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. And he, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Yeah. So Lot's sons-in-law thought it was just a joke. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, his life is normal. And, and Lot goes on and gets out. Uh, with the daughters, but the sons-in-law stay, and obviously destruction comes upon him. It's too late. I mean, destruction is right at the door. Uh, and so it will be on the last day. Mark, chapter 13, verses 35 and 36. All right. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. <laughs> So it's too late. I mean, when we're asleep, Christ comes, it's too late to be converted. We're thinking about it, you know, just a little more time. I just need a little more time to work it out. Christ comes. Just comes. He comes. Yeah. So, be awake. All right. Verse uh, 6. For thus the Lord said to me, Go set a watchman, let him announce what he sees. So uh, this could go in verse 5, uh, referring to the poor preparation in battle. Uh, they're more interested in revelry uh, than anything else is evidenced by oil the shields, but it's too late. Uh, but more likely it goes with the following verses, sort of the watchman on the wall here. <clears throat> so verses 7 through 10. This is what the watchman then announces. When he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, riders on donkeys, riders on camels, let him listen diligently. Then he's, he who saw cried out, Upon a watchtower I stand, O Lord, continually by day, and at my post I am stationed whole nights. And behold, here come riders, horsemen in pairs. And he answered, Fall and fall in this battle. And all the carved images of her gods, he is shattered. To the ground. Uh, okay, so seven through nine and uh, ten here. Well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll read ten in a minute. Horsemen in pairs in verse seven uh, probably refers to a vision of the Persian army coming down uh, who like to advance in pairs. They like to run their horses and donkeys in pairs as the army is coming down. Could be that. Uh, verse eight. 
uh, upon a watchtower I stand, O Lord, continually by day, and I, and I, I am at my post station whole nights. So the watchman is being faithful here. Uh, I mean, he night, day, night, day, night, day. He's at his post. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Finally, something happens. Babylon has fallen. That's what happens. Uh, so the watchman waits a long time for this announcement that Babylon has fallen. Just as the church continues to wait for that announcement. Um, so, verses 9 and 10. Verse 10, O my friend, and when I won what I heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I've asked you. I think this is probably Israel here who's been winnowed by the Lord a long time and had various chastenings applied to them. Uh, so, the ministry of the watchman announces to Israel that their trouble, at least from Babylon, is over because Babylon is fallen. Therefore, in a certain sense, the watchman still waits for the fall of Babylon, which is the world system. As we know very well from the book of Revelation, uh, John is all over that in the book of Revelation. So let's read chapter 18 in the book of Revelation about the fall of Babylon. So these things can continue to play out just as Babylon fell, for sure. You say Revelation 18? It's 18. So uh, Babylon will fall for sure. It's a long chapter that I'm going to read. This also is prophecy. <clears throat> After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen, Babylon the great. I mean, it's a repeat almost from Isaiah here. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have been rich in the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins lest you share her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she makes, for she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a light measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, and am no widow, and morning I shall never see. For this reason, the plagues will come in a single day. Death and morning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. It's sort of like Babylon here. Everything's going great, and then destruction in one night. It's all over. It's instantaneous almost. Uh, death and morning in a single day. She will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment is come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. 
Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, burnt, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves, that is human souls. That are trades of human souls. The fruit for which your soul walks is gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gain wealth and myrtle stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls, for a single hour all this wealth has been waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men and sailors and all whose traders on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of them burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets. For God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down from violence and will be no more. The sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of the lamp will shine in you no more. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all your nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. So that's the fall of Babylon. And this is prophecy in the book of Revelation. So I understand it to be the system of this world, basically, Babylon. And uh, at some point in time, it's coming down. Of course, Satan is the god of this world, and in the temptations in the desert, he offers to give this world to Jesus if Jesus will bow down and worship him. If Jesus doesn't refuse him, he doesn't debate that Satan has authority over this world. It was given to him by God, evidently, and that's the way things are. But one day it's all come to me. It's interesting to me that all the things that we know are economic things. It's the economy, it's, it's the cash. But the real currency of Babylon is the souls of men. Wow, think about that. Could you explain a little more? I mean, I agree with Well, you. I mean, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. And people sell their souls you know, for economics. They do. Well, wow. Okay. Car so the, the kicker with this is to is to see where we fit into all of this. You know, Isaiah is talking about these giant people groups and these giant um, categories of geography, mm -hmm. just one after another, mm -hmm. going back and forth between them. Yeah. And you know, where do we fit on that map, spiritually speaking? This is where we are. We're Babylon. America is Babylon. Oh, sorry. And that you know we, we like to think of ourselves as um, as 
Israel, and the church is Israel. So there is a new Israel, but um, but uh, America is uh, is a prophecy about us. Oh, certainly, certainly the whole world system. Yeah. Well, that's the way it is, friends. I mean, it's good news and bad news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to go out to restaurants, eat good food, go to the movie, but I'm not going to just, you know, sell out for it. I mean, I'm not, I can do that. Okay, let's go on to verse 11, it is. Uh, 11 through 17, perhaps this deals with nations who were alive then with Babylon. Uh, and some of us are a little tough, tough to deal with. Let's go ahead and try. Uh, 11 and 12, the oracle concerning Duma, one who is calling to me from Seir. Watchman, what time of the night? Watchman, what time of the night? I think King James says, Watchman, how far gone the night, or something like that. So what of the night? What of the night? Okay. <clears throat> the watchman says, Morning comes, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire. Come back again. <laughs> Seir. Mount Seir refers to Edom, which is we looked at those maps last time. And my mistaken notion about geography, Edom is really pretty down south, really, of Israel. South, a little bit east, but mainly south uh, of, of Israel down there. And Duma is up in the Arabian Peninsula, up in modern Saudi Arabia, in the northeastern part of the uh, So, uh, well, <coughs> that the descendants of Esau, that is Edom, or Seir, uh, are asking the prophet for a word. What word? Perhaps, when will the threat from Assyria be over? Or when will the night be over? Uh, the prophet's answer, morning comes, but the night comes also. The translation, the Assyrian that threat will be over. But the army of Babylon is coming. So one thing and then another. Peace breaks out, but then war. <clears throat> and then peace. And then war. Uh, there's time for peace and time for war. And it goes on and on. Kind of in the same boring story that just continues on and on and on. Until Christ comes back. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Verse 13. The oracle concerning Arabia. In the thickets of Arabia you will lodge, O caravans of the Edenites. To the thirsty bring water. Beat the fugitive with bread, O inhabitant of the land of Timah. For they have fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, and from the press of battle. For thus the Lord said to me, Within a year, according to the years of a hired worker, all the glory of Kedar will come to an end. And the remainder of the archers of the mighty men of the sons of Kedar will be few. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Oh, let's see. Pastor Nick, if you would look up Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5. We'll just read a quick verse on that about Kedar and second. Uh, so, uh, these places, Dedan, Timai, and Kedar, are all in Arabia. Uh, verses 13 through 15. Uh, 
O caravans of the Edenites, to the thirsty bring water, meet the fugitive with bread, and so on. Well, uh, it seems like we're dealing with refugees again, which Isaiah talks a lot about, fugitives and refugees wandering around everywhere. Uh, these are probably refugees from the Assyrian invasion. Again, and these Arabian cities perhaps are going out bringing bread to these people, bread sustenance. Uh, Kedar is in the northwestern region of the Arabian Peninsula. The Jews were well acquainted with Kedar and the tents of Kedar, as in Psalm, Solomon chapter 1, verse 5. I am very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Yeah, so the woman in Song of Solomon says, I'm black but beautiful, dark but lovely, like the tents of Kedar. Evidently, they use those goat hair tents that black or dark in color. So, I mean, the Jews are all about this. About Kedar. So, uh, in verses uh, 16 then, for the, thus the Lord said to me, within a year, according to the years of a hired worker, all the glory of Kedar will come to an end. I don't know this context here. And the remainder of the archers of the mighty men of the sons of Kedar will be few, for the Lord the God of Israel has spoken. So, like all human glory, Whatever the glory of Kedar is will come to an end at some point in time because the Lord is <clears throat> So that's all I have on so I, I thought fairly difficult <laughs> to sit here today. But uh, I'm open to uh, any comments you might have. That's all I have for today. If I can go backwards a little bit. Yes. Um, this this little proclamation against Edom following yeah. the, the um, um, fall of Babylon predicted yeah. reflects one of my favorite psalms, okay. which is 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we wept when we remembered Zion. Yeah. It's a lament yeah. know, coming out of the uh, captivity, yeah. and by the end of it, um, the people are wishing judgment upon Babylon. But also Edom stood by and cheered as they saw the walls of Jerusalem fall. That's true. That is true. All right, who else? Connor. Um, also, going backwards a little bit, um, we were talking about verse 5, I think, the feast of Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Yeah. There's this thing in the pattern of every time the world ends in the Bible, there's always, they're always having a party. They're always feasting. <laughs> right? So in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking yeah, and marrying. Right. Here at the end of, you know, the end of the Babylonian yeah. world, yeah. they're feasting and eating. And yeah. Christ says that's how it's going to be wow. at the end of time. Days of Noah. But then you, and so, okay, so, so on the one hand, you know, maybe that's why we have fasting as a spiritual discipline to sort of distance ourselves from the, you know, from the revelry and prepare ourselves for the end of the world. But then on the other hand, I was thinking about the Eucharist. And Christ says, you're, you're doing this keeping in mind my return. So it's like a holy version of a feast at the end of the world, right? It's this... But it's a sanctified thing. Yeah, it's a holy, it's a holy yeah. version of it. It's a holy version of it. It's... it's, it's um, in, in the next chapter, we're going to talk about this next week, it specifically says that they're eating flesh and, and drinking wine. 
who exactly? Just the people in the world? The, the, the world. Okay. The world. Okay. The right. end of the world in the days of Noah. That's what they're doing. Okay. They're eating flesh and they're drinking wine. Okay. So here we have a sanctified version in the Eucharist. Wow. And we're, we're doing it, keeping in mind, in this sort of urgent way, Christ's return. Okay. Wonderful. I love it. Yes, everyone be sure to come next week. Connor's going to take over for the next four weeks. I'm looking forward to hearing that finish. Anybody else? Well, I guess it's, uh, I don't remember which prophet this is in. I think it's, my guess is Jeremiah. But he reminds Babylon that, you know, I'm using you to discipline my people. But don't think you're going to get away with it. Your day is coming. Thank you for your attention.